all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rachel, enrolled agent. Oh, yes. And I'm David. And this I'm not an enrolled agent. <laughs> and this is all bad things. Yes, I got the great news today. Today is Friday the thirteenth in yes. April. I got the excellent news today that I am officially an enrolled agent. I'm applauding for myself. Not I'm applauding for you <laughs> Thank too. You. Yes. <laughs> so I, if, I I saw you go into a slight psychosis. Oh yes, I think our listeners the, heard uh, it too. <laughs> studying for the ex, for the exam. Yes. The three exams. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, if any listeners ever receive a letter from the IRS having anything to do with anything that doesn't seem very simple and easy to clear up, immediately email allbadthingspod at (laughs) gmail.com and we'll get you represented. You can you can lawyer up, you can CPA up or you can EA up. EA up with me. I like it. It's a good tagline. <laughs> I also found out today that Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartstark of My Favorite Murder, one of my favorite podcasts, are coming to Durham in September. So I'm just super excited about a lot of things That'd be today. Cool. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be very fun. We, I'll bring uh, my sister. Have we ever given, not necessarily the timeline, but we met our three favorite podcasters in like a 17 day span? Well, so. <laughs> Went to three shows. Two shows. Three. Two. Last podcast. Oh, you're Dalla, right. Yeah. Jimmy Dore. Yes. And Jimmy Dore, when you say we are favorites, well, I mean Jimmy Dore's yours. Yes. He was a very nice guy. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. We we met well, we didn't meet the last podcast. We did not cast guys, but we we saw them. We met Dave and Gareth of the Dollop. They were very charming and um especially forgiving of me being very drunk at the time we were speaking <laughs> to them. And, yeah, then we met Jimmy Dore in San Diego. He was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to go ahead and splurge for the VIP tickets so I can meet Georgia and Karen. There you go. I mean, for me, they were the other... So, I feel like, for me, the premise of this podcast that I envisioned, I was mostly inspired by two podcasts. I was inspired by um, The Dollop and by My Favorite Murder. The Dollop being the... Just the the history aspect mm-hmm. of it, we can never be as funny as they are because no. they're literally professional they're comedians. Yeah. <laughs> and and my favorite murder for sort of the uh, the conversational tone that they have, which I think we have, which some people don't like, <laughs> but too bad. What is what is the word for it? Oh, inane banter. Yes. Yes. The words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well. Screw you, because this is a free podcast that we do out of the goodness of our hearts, damn it. Speaking of which... (laughs) Speaking of the goodness of our hearts. (laughs) Um, I believe it was Felicity who suggested last week's topic of the Black Saturday bush fires. The bush fire. (laughs) The bush fires. Um, I believe it was her who was asking on Instagram, like, if and when we were planning on starting a Patreon. And we kind of talked about this, that... My vision for us is, like, basically not to monetize this podcast. 
Um, I know you have Casper mattress. Um, I do. <laughs> uh, advertisement vision. Any mattress or a technology company, <laughs> you have my vote. I'll just try to convince my wife. Um, because really, like, the cost to do this is very minimal. And especially, like... You know, they they can tell from the excellent. Yeah, audio. right. That's very minimal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but even just like the hosting fees or whatever, it's 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 not a ton, and we can easily shoulder it. Um, so we just like putting this out there for people who like listening to it. That's kind of the thing. My main vision, like, is if we were to get popular enough to be able to tour, I would love to do live that would shows. Be fun. It would be so much fun. Yeah. Like, we'd pay for the travel. <laughs> just yeah. well, free I, tickets. Just everybody come listen to us. You could just start in, in the triangle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's five or six different places you could hit that you could drive right. to. I just don't know if we have any listeners here. Yeah, I don't know either. If we do, you guys, please do. hit us up. <laughs> if we do, they're friends of ours. Right, yes. Well, yeah. It'd be mostly our friends and family who would come at this point. So, yeah. yeah you got to start somewhere. Yeah, very true. Um... Also, we, we did get good feedback from um, from Felicity, of course, and also from Brooke, another one of our Aussie listeners, about last week's episode, um, because they both were nearby when it happened. Thankfully, neither of them were, like, in the, the line of fire, literally, you know, for it, but um, had some, in some cases, kind of traumatic... Um, memories of it because you know friends being affected yeah and uh it had some really nice feedback that you know it was kind of traumatic to listen to but at the same time sort of laughing with us through it and that's kind of I like that idea that like we're not trying to minimize these tragedies we're trying to you know like make us and everyone else able to palette hearing about them because I think it's really important that we not gloss over things that are bad that happen. And I've talked about this before, so I won't I won't get on my soapbox again. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, but, so that was good feedback to get. But in in two episodes, our episodes about uh, Hurricane Andrew, mm-hmm. that's the only time we actually interview people right. that experienced it. But it's not going to be the last time, because no. I really want... We're going to do Hillsborough. 100% we're going to do Hillsborough. Um, soon, I hope. Um, and I want to interview Moira, my bandmate Rich's mm-hmm. wife, who's a huge Liverpool fan. And I, I hope... that uh, Yes, Liverpool. Yes. I would, It would be terrible if I said the wrong team, because... Football fans are well. Big you you into can it. ask her before you edit this, and <laughs> if you get it wrong, just edit it out. Pretty sure it's Liverpool, um, and she knows a lot about that tragedy because you know it, it was Liverpool fans mm-hmm. involved. You know, so I would like to interview her for that. So that should be good. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Remember Teddy, the mail carrier, who I mentioned many times last episode? Yes. Uh, well, Teddy emailed me and was like, oh, one tiny little thing. I'm a woman. <laughs> and I oh, kept yeah, calling right. Teddy yes. him and he. And I was like, oh, man. I apologized to her because I was like, it's, I can't believe I just assumed you were a guy. And so I feel badly. So thank you, Teddy, the lady. For, um, for listening and for being very nice, she was very. She was like, "Yeah, no big deal." 
She's like, it happens. She's like, I get it all the time. Yeah, right. It's a cute nickname, though. Yeah. I like it. Um, very akin to Kim Raver's character in Grey's Anatomy, who's also nicknamed Teddy. And because of that, Christina thought that Owen's friend Teddy was a guy friend from the war, but turns out she was a girlfriend and was still hung up on Owen. So, of course, that caused a lot of tension. I'll stop now. So what is our topic tonight? <laughs> One more thing before we start. I'm not sure I heard any of that. (laughs) Okay. One more thing. I did want to mention just a a plug. I imagine we have a fair amount of crossover between disaster fans and true crime fans. So for those who haven't already and are true crime fans, read I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle Uh, McNamara. Yeah, that's right. um, Who um, unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. Kind of, sort of, tangentially because of her her research that she was doing caused some insomnia, ended up, like, taking a wrong combination of drugs or something like that. So anyway, um, they, they released her book um, that she had been working on at the time of her death, and it's really good. It's, it's an excellent book, so I highly recommend it. And they did, on My Favorite Murder last week, they did, uh, they recorded a conversation that Karen and Georgia moderated with Patton Oswalt and uh, two of the or two of the sort of co-researchers of the book. So it was really interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm done. Inane banter <laughs> over. All right. You ready? What do we have on deck <clears throat> for the evening? So. Well, for the morning, if you're listening to this on Monday. Or for the afternoon or the evening yeah. or the middle of the night depending on when you're listening. Yes. Okay. Today's topic is the 2008 heparin contamination crisis. Okay. (laughs) In February and March, well, actually it was more, oh, no, 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 never mind. (laughs) Redo. In February and March 2008, massive recalls of the drug heparin were recalled after the FDA determined its contamination had caused allergic reactions in many patients and caused the deaths of 81 people in the United States. I remember none of this. Me neither. 2008. Yeah. There there were so many things going on in that year. Well, this is like the recession year, right? Yeah, this is when the the rug got... Pulled right out from under the world economy. Yeah, in the same year. So this there was a presidential like race. Yes. The same year. Yes, so. there was a lot going on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a fun episode because I get to play doctor, okay. which is currently my favorite thing to do. But it's, go- it's going to be fun, except for the eighty-one casualties. <laughs> well, yeah, that's always the bummer. But anyway, I hope this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway that. I am in no way a qualified medical professional or biologist or chemist or whatever, and absolutely nothing I am about to tell you as far as, like, the chemical traits or properties of anything should be used as medical advice in any way, shape, or form because I homeschooled myself (laughs) and majored in music in college and stopped after two and a half years. So anyone who's going to take medical advice from me, like... It's kind of a Darwin Awards situation. Yes, very so, much so. Please just it's like saving don't. A, it's like saving a goose from drowning and then drowning yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard is that a saying? 
No, it was in the the book, the Darwin Awards. Oh, okay. I never read it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I, that, I just thought that was some sort of like random Messina saying or something. It might as well. <laughs> so, do you know what heparin is? I have no idea. Uh, herpes medication, maybe? Uh, because of hep? Yeah. So, we'll get into the the etymology okay. of the word heparin, but... Um, Good guess, but no. Heparin's actually a really, really common drug. It's an anticoagulant. Okay. Do you know what an anticoagulant is? <laughs> I have no See, idea. you have not watched enough Grey's Anatomy or ER to know what an anticoagulant You're, is. You are correct. I've never watched any of those types of shows. <laughs> an anticoagulant is a blood thinner. Okay. So coagulating sure. blood is clot like clotting blood, and anticoagulant keeps blood from clotting. So it's a pharmaceutical drug. So people with like maybe heart disease, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, yeah. Clogged basically. arteries. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we'll we'll talk. I, I can see why there are a lot of people taking that. Right. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but just a little bit of history here. Um, heparin was discovered in 1916, so it's not. It was like a hundred years ago, um, by a second-year medical student named Jay McLean, who was studying at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. And was working under William Henry Howell, who was the first person to isolate the drug from the liver cells of dogs, which is what gave it its name. So, uh, hepar or hepar, H E P A R, is Greek for liver. Okay. So, heparin came, it was extracted from the liver, you know, so, of dogs. It took almost 20 years for the drug to end up in the clinical trial phase, so its development wow, was kind so of slow. It's very slow. Yeah. And in 1935, the Swedish company Vitrum AB finally released the first heparin product available through um, IVs in 1936. So it took like 20 years to get it to market. So heparin is a blood thinner, um, and it's especially important in pretty severe conditions where blood clots are involved, like things like, yeah, potentially like a heart attack or something. Also, deep vein thrombosis, you know, which have you ever heard of? I'm, no, really? No. I think, um, do you remember that reporter, David something? He was like a CBS or ABC reporter who, who died at like 50 from a blood clot that he threw a blood clot from his leg during a long flight and it went to his heart. David Gregory. Was that his name? No, he's still alive, I think. No, I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we'll have to look that up afterwards. <laughs> but <clears throat> if you have, like, a blood clot somewhere, anywhere in your veins, the danger is it could go to your heart sure. or to your lungs. And, and uh, just all of a sudden... And then and then you have a heart attack and you die, yeah. And pulmonary embolisms, too, blood clots in the lung. So these are severe conditions, so heparin is pretty... You, you're smirking. What are you smirking because for? I don't know what any of this means. <laughs> like you might as, I mean, this whole episode might as well be in Spanish. <laughs> but with Spanish, I would... Siempre. I was going to no, say, with know. Spanish, I would get like one out of ten words. I'd be like, oh, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, like with this, I'm like... I'm, I'm, okay. Go on. Are you following so far? Do you feel okay? I feel fine. <laughs> um, I just don't know what is happening, but that's okay. Well, I'm just explaining what this drug was so we can see why it going wrong is a bad thing. Okay. 
Like, okay. Yeah, I, I I'm also playing doctor a little I, bit. I, okay. I, I assumed that. Yeah, I'm enjoying this, pretending but to be. But we all know what happens when you assume. What? It's, it's just a stupid joke. Oh, you make an ass out of you, me. Yeah. <laughs> Which you are not doing. No, no. I'm the ass in this situation. No, you're not. <laughs> so, um, the reason I know about deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolisms or PE is because they're both well represented in Grey's Anatomy and ER. <laughs> well, um, I guess those shows were good for something. Yes, like I said, I correctly guessed what a triple A was. Okay. Abdominal aortic aneurysm. <laughs> or ascending aortic aneurysm, depending. All right. Heparin is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. So this is interesting. I didn't know this. The World Health Organization maintains a list of, like, these are highly effective, inexpensive drugs that are just incredibly important for basically any developed or developing country to have. And they probably have that list just because if you have large countries with lots of money and like they know if some kind of tragedy happens like all right these are certain types of medicines we need to have yeah like to respond to it yeah mm-hmm. so, yeah i would think so i would imagine like penicillins on the list yeah. stuff like that oh for sure um for those of us who are not allergic to it i am but uh so so yeah the the this list of drugs meet quote minimum medicine needs for a basic healthcare system and are, quote, safe and cost-effective medicines for priority conditions. So, it, like, relatively inexpensive but really important medications because they treat really life-threatening things. You get a clot, and this thins it, might save your life. And they're universal-type drugs. Right. Like, if you have this certain symptom, you just take Right, this. heparin could, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, heparin is an important drug in modern health care. Um, now, something, unfortunately, that I found out about heparin is it's not vegan or even close to vegan friendly. Not that that's, like, not that that's unusual. Like, virtually every drug has either been tested on animals or contains sure. animal products. Yeah, it's, not or, exa- it's not exactly a secret in the industry. No, no, it's not. And, like, if I were dying, would I turn it down? No, probably no. not. <laughs> um, actually, I probably couldn't. In most cases, because I'd probably be, like, unconscious or whatever, so they'd push it anyway if I were, like, dying of a pulmonary embolism. But anyway. Not to get dark, folks. <laughs> we're but, just going to get into more medical terms. <laughs> but heparin specifically is very, very animal-based. So it's actually completely derived naturally from the intestinal mucous membranes of pigs. Okay. So it comes from pig intestines, which is really gross. Not to mention non-vegan, but anyway. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, right. Though it has been um, also derived from other... has been derived from other animals as well. Like, um, there's been bovine heparin, so uh, cows. Also, like, even turkeys, whales, mice, and various shellfish. So it can come from other animals. It's just more common to come from... Um, be porcine in nature, which means comes from pigs. I see. Um, oh, porcine. Yes. But the reason that it's specifically derived naturally is that the exact chemical formula of heparin is actually unknown. So they know where they can get it, but they haven't really come up with a good synthetic of it. Is it, like, under a patent, or they just can't no, figure it out? No, it's, it's just not 
been able to be cracked. It's like a code oh, that can't okay. be cracked just yet. So, and, and there are other anticoagulants, obviously, but this seems to be one of the easiest, the most effective, and the cheapest, so it's just really widely used. Um, now, even though it's important as a drug, obviously heparin, like any other drug, you can overdose on, and there is heparin toxicity or, or um, uh, overdose that is possible, Um Especially, like, the biggest issue is when not administered properly and uh, actually kind of notoriously three premature infants died at a hospital in Indianapolis in 2006 when they were given too much heparin, like a thousand times more heparin than they were supposed to be given. And what do you think happens when you're given too much blood thinner? Well, yeah. You bleed out. I was just going to say. You just bleed out. Everything's just completely thinned out. Yeah. You can nosebleed, you can internally bleed, yep, and you're a goner. Then in 2000... And they were like, give her some more, that'll stop it. (laughs) No. (laughs) Then in 2007, I don't know if you remember this, I vaguely remember this, Dennis Quaid's infant twins, like infant sons, Uh almost died from a heparin overdose. I kind of remember him suing, like, a pharmaceutical company, and he ended up, like, selling for under a million dollars, but... Um, but in all of these cases, the overdoses were given an error mostly because the vials were like different dosages and the medical professionals had gotten them mixed up, Okay, you know, so they just ended up giving too much. So like a, an honest error. Yeah. Not a good one to make. Not a great one, but you know, not not doing anything, uh, uh, purposely. No, not like somebody trying to murder people or anything. Yeah. No, no. But of course... This is not a story of overdoses. This is a story of contamination, tainted heparin. Um, So in January 2008, scattered reports came in through the U.S. healthcare system of dialysis patients having adverse reactions to heparin. So do you know what dialysis is? I've heard the term a million times, but I'm not exactly sure. So it's basically like when your kidneys aren't functioning properly and your kidneys filter toxins and stuff from your blood. Your blood has to be filtered and that happens through your kidneys. And so when your kidneys aren't working properly, dialysis filters your blood outside of your body. Sure. And because it has to like be flowing in and out of your body, it has to be, it's usually thinned. So heparin is often given to dialysis patients. So um, the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services was the first to notify the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, about concerns over the heparin supply. So they were like, okay, people are having this weird reaction, and they narrowed it down to it it being the heparin. Okay. Um, Because pediatric dialysis patients, so kids whose kidneys aren't working and their blood is being... Filtered outside of their body. Filtered out a thousand times over. Or not not in that case, but what you were saying before they... Oh, the thousand one. time overdose? Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, this was not an overdose. It was just something's wrong with this drug. Something's wrong with this heparin that's otherwise a very safe, normal, you know, drug that works just fine. But they were just... Dis- these patients were displaying symptoms consistent with anaphylaxis. I'm not sure what that is. An allergic reaction. Oh, so the symptoms included low blood pressure, um, breaking out in hives, oh. tachycardia, which is like a, a rapid heart rate, like your heart rate going up. So your heart rate's going up, your blood pressure is going down, you're, you're breaking, breaking out, out in hives, hives. 
nausea, diarrhea, and shortness of breath. So just the system is it's shutting down. <laughs> yeah, not looking system good. System overload. Yeah, like must reboot. Right. <laughs> so the CDC looked into it, <laughs> which means you're gonna poop your pants. <laughs> Unfortunately, and overload. Throw up. It's almost yeah. what happened to uh, in uh, Silicon Valley in the second episode. Oh, to Richard, yeah. yes. <laughs> and instead, he walked into the plate glass window. Yes, all those reactions at once. Though. Yes. Um, so the CDC looked into it, and on the plus side, it didn't take them long to to figure out that what all of these cases had in common was, yes, they were related to this heparin. And once that determination was made, it wasn't too difficult to figure out which manufacturer was responsible for this heparin because basically, and this is kind of terrifying, all of the United States heparin supply is made by two manufacturers, basically in a 50-50 split. I know. Really shocking. (laughs) So so they each have their own slice of the monopoly. Yes, (laughs) 50-50. APP Pharmaceuticals and Baxter Healthcare. Hmm. I know that name. Really? From where? Uh, when I was in Rochester. When I was oh, doing, were they headquartered there? No. No, I was doing uh, uh, telephone sales for that. Mm. For a company that that's who that was one of the companies that supplied those products. Was oh, back, okay. Baxter. Okay. A big one. Okay. Yeah. Like so a lot of stuff you see in like you know Walgreens, places like that. Mm-hmm. It's Baxter stuff. Okay. At least well, it was then. Well, yeah, Baxter is a, still a major U.S. Mm-hmm. healthcare company on the Fortune 500 list, sales in the multiple billions. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. There's a lot of money in that business. Right. So so basically, they knew it was Heparin. <laughs> they were down to two possibilities, and they very easily, through lot numbers or whatever the case was, through the supply chain, figured out it all came from Baxter. So um, Baxter... Immediately voluntarily recalled both multi-dose and single-dose vials of heparin, as well as their heparin flush products. Unfortunately, it was a little bit of a too little, too late situation. Sure. Because I think they said like ninety percent of the vial, tainted vials of heparin had already been used. Yeah. So yeah, so there wasn't a ton to recall, but I mean, they did at least act on it, but. So it's estimated that a total of 152 patients had adverse reactions to the tainted heparin, which considering how widespread it was used isn't that's a lot. A, that's a pretty uh, good ratio. R- right, like, overall. Yeah. But 81 people did die sure. of it, so that's not good. But the amount of people that received it and... You know, and who got sick and then who actually died is was really slim compared to right. how, how many much it of it could was have out been. there. Yes, it could have been tens of thousands, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so even though all of these deaths were in the U.S., contamination was found in at least ten other countries. Sure. Australia, Canada, China, Denmark, France, Holland, Italy, Japan, and New Zealand. I'm surprised Mexico wasn't on there. Oh. I guess those. Well, not that they didn't Canada supply. Not yeah. that they didn't supply oh, these other countries. Mean. It's just that these batches, the tainted batches, were found. So it could have been a very small lot. Yeah, sure. that just got in different. You know about lots uh, I and do. yeah, pharmaceutical we processing. We do eleven so. a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, so it used to be five. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the investigation goes. 
the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, um, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and Washington University in St. Louis, like, investigated, okay, what is contaminating this heparin? So we know this heparin's causing a problem. Why? Like, what's wrong with it? So they started looking at it at a molecular, molecular level, <laughs> molecular level, and it was determined that the contaminant in this heparin was oversulfated chondritin sulfate, or OSCS. So, okay. I'm kind of with you. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even with me on this. Plain chondroitin sulfate isn't necessarily a dangerous chemical. In fact, it's actually used as a dietary supplement really widely, like glucosamine, which is used for like joint health, um, to treat arthritis and stuff like that, and other inflammatory problems with joints, you know, um, and connective tissue. And it's usually made by extracting the chemical from the cartilage of animals. Again, another naturally extracted um, sort of pharmaceutical. Um, And it's especially um, extracted from the tracheas of cows and the ears of pigs. Okay. um, Definitely not vegan. (laughs) No. It can also be extracted from other animals like fish and birds. And I, I remember... So my grandpa was a huge, like, vitamin and supplement guy. He had, I threw away so many <laughs> supplements when they moved out because I'm pretty sure it was mostly snake expired. oil. And yes, a lot were expired. Um, but I remember him, use, he used to take shark cartilage. And he used to be like, that's the new big thing. Take shark cartilage. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was for this reason. It was supposed to be like an anti-inflammatory. Take shartilage. Shartilage. That doesn't sound no, right. Doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but that's that's what it should be called, chartilage. <laughs> so chondroitin sulfate on its own is fine, but the problem with this stuff is that it was over-sulfated chondroitin sulfate, um, and it's not the same. It, like, changes the molecular structure. It throws off the composition. Yes, exactly. It's very, yeah. very different. Um, Believe it or not, I kind of do know what you're talking about now because all of this stuff is kind of part yeah, of my job. I was thinking mixing, that it reminded me a lot. Mixing things together. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the certain amount of certain things, it's not going to come out right. Well, the issue wasn't because of a mix. It's um, because... The, so instead of this... OSCS is not extracted from natural sources like normal chondroitin sulfate, but it's synthesized. It's synthetic. Using sure. a sulfation reaction, hence the name oversulfated, of the original biological molecule. So it's like it's an adulterated version of it, I guess. Sure. Um, and the resulting substance—it's like, it's like a version of it on steroids, kind of. Yeah, but the the like the, it, it's chemically different sure. from the biologically derived one. And instead of being anti-inflammatory, like its natural version, OSCS is an inflammatory. So it elicits an inflammatory response from the body's immune system. It makes the body's immune system go into essentially anaphylaxis, an allergic reaction. That's what an allergic reaction is. It's your body's immune system attacking something it thinks is attacking it. Okay. So, um, and specifically... This OSCS can elicit in people lowering lowering people's blood pressure, causing nausea, shortness of breath. Is this sounding familiar? The diarrhea Mm -hmm. and everything else. So that's what it causes. 
So what would even the motivation be? So that's what they found sure. in this heparin, in this tainted heparin, is shit, this this synthetic shit is in this heparin. And they were like, so why even use this stuff instead of the proper unadulterated heparin? So, like, why did they put this shit in the heparin instead of what they would normally put in heparin or to make the heparin? Why would a why would a drug company put something different in? I mean, all sorts of reasons to make more money. Uh, okay, yeah. there's, that, that'd, there's be, absolutely that'd be my number one. one reason. There's a nice version and there's a not nice version. Yeah. The not nice version is yes, money, which yeah. we'll get to. The nice version, <laughs> the, the the duh version. Yeah, the nice version <laughs> is that there are only so many pigs in the world. And coming up with a synthetic version of this would be a good idea. And there are a lot of people working on it, even today. So, but yeah, this was, yeah, it it was most likely a money issue. This more volatile version of heparin was cheaper. And as the FDA put it, and their findings were, it was, quote, economically motivated adulteration. (laughs) No. (laughs) Meaning that because they wanted it to be cheaper. I thought you were going to say, like, uh, it was going to cost them more money, but they were going to give the benefits of that negative cost back to the community. Right? Like cutting drug prices like happens mm. all the time. All the time. Yep. So. No, they were going to put that money in their pocket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they found, okay, this is the heparin that's tainted. Here's why. And it was done deliberately. Who did this was now the question. Someone along this supply chain. But I think I already have the answer. What? Just continue on. Okay, but I don't but when we get to do. the crescendo, okay. well, I kind of do. Okay. I have an idea. Okay. So further A investigation. Hypothesis. Your hypothesis. Possibly. Possibly. Further investigation revealed exactly where this tainted heparin came from. <clears throat> so specifically, the source was found to be raw heparin. That was produced by Sangju Scientific Protein Laboratories in China, a branch of Scientific Protein Laboratories in Wanakee, Wisconsin. The branch in Sangju provided Scientific Protein Laboratories with the heparin, who supplied the heparin to Baxter. So there are a couple chains removed sure. or links removed in the supply chain here. And due to so-called, quote, procedural errors... The labs in Sangju were never inspected by the FDA like they were supposed to be. So, yes, they are overseas, but because they're supplying drugs to America, the FDA does have an amount of um, control and responsibility to be inspecting and, and controlling the, this plant in China. So the, quote, procedural error that happened here was that the Sangju lab was incorrectly categorized and registered with the FDA as a chemical company, not a pharmaceutical company. And so it was incorrectly categorized to not be any of the FDA's business. I was just going to say, it would fall out of their jurisdiction. So, I mean, there's more, but is it going the way you thought it would? Well, here's what I do know, Mm -hmm. is that somebody couldn't have done it on purpose. Otherwise, we wouldn't be covering it. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody couldn't have tainted all this stuff on purpose because that would be a crime. Oh, okay, so like... We don't, we don't cover crime. Oh, you're being sarcastic. No, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying, I'm like, I, I don't know where this oh, is so going think, to go. Oh, but okay. but the, the main thing I knew was that it was not 
you know, a deliberate criminal act. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, because let's keep we going. do have listeners of both <clears throat> genres. So, oh, crime! And, and I yeah. get it confused sometimes too, listening yeah. to how a story builds up. I'm like, wait, no, it can't be that because that's a crime, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We don't cover crime, right? Exactly. So by the time the heparin was traced to Tengju, the plant had actually already stopped manufacturing heparin altogether. But of course, they, the facility was still investigated. It had made the tainted heparin prior to ceasing production, so they knew it came from this plant. So the FDA inspected the plant and found, quote, a number of potentially objectionable conditions, um, including improper steps to remove impurities. And you work in a plant that has purification. Yes, so Self-inspections being reported instead of outside inspections. Um, equipment problems and, quote, Issues related to waste materials flow, which sounds just disgusting. Sounds like junk and waste products were not being properly disposed Disposed of. of. Yeah, that's really gross. Yeah. So digging farther down the supply chain. So, okay, the, the heparin was made at this plant, produced at this plant. Where did the raw materials come from? So sure. the FDA was still going down the food chain. Um, the FDA investigated the source of the raw materials, meaning pig intestines mm-hmm. and their membranes um, used by the Sangju plant to create the heparin. The intestines were provided by multiple sources. Sure. Including, quote, small workshops and farms in remote areas of China. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. So I don't want to accuse... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say those people were exploited. Well, I don't want to insinuate anything or accuse anybody of anything, but... The idea that rural China is well regulated doesn't. Rural anywhere is not well regulated. No, it isn't. S- small farms in general are not well regulated. You know, so um, I, I, I am. I, I think it's kind of a a Russian roulette of raw material sourcing. You know, um, and because. It's already we're like five steps removed from the final product. The more chains there are in a supply chain, the more links there are in a supply chain, the more things can go horribly yeah, wrong. The more chances you know? for an error. Exactly. So the raw materials, the mucous membranes from the pig intestines, came from pigs slaughtered at rural, like mom and pop sort of farms in China. Mm-hmm. And these farmers were also the ones who would mix together and cook this material. And then they gave it to these middlemen called consolidators, who then gave it to the plants, who then sent it overseas to their um, stateside part of the supply chain, who then supplied it to Baxter. So, so we're talking about five steps? Is that what see. that was? So there's Baxter that goes back to Wisconsin. Wisconsin goes to China. China goes to the consolidators. Consolidators go to the farm. So it's really only like four, five, four or five. Yeah. Four steps. But, but, but still. we are now on the fifth step. Yes. Yes. So someone along that food ch- or supply chain decided that they wanted to go with a cheaper product and supplied the tainted heparin, the okay. synthetic counterfeit drug, essentially. Right. So that was the issue. And not necessarily um, in a move to save the company money. 
and maybe had the, all the paperwork done and you know the people who his upper people were like oh he'll get this on Monday and whatever but in the meantime this tainted well, well so here's the thing this is an accident well here's the thing the we don't know uh, well, okay. ultimately it never because it was virtually impossible it was never traced back all the way to find out where this exact batch like okay which mom and pop farm did this come from it was never traced that far back. Like, it was essentially impossible to trace it back to its origin. So it could have been one of the mom and pops. It could have been one of the consolidators. I would say that's a sp- suspicious link in the chain a little bit. Because there's any, but anytime there's a middleman, you know. It's called consolidation for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but. To, that, to them, it means a bigger <clears throat> paycheck. Well, if they consolidate things. Right. But if they had some sort of, like, synthetic and they were passing that along, that could increase their inventory and their ability to sell. Now, where they got it from, who made it, who knows? It was never figured out. Not even in this case. So Baxter and Scientific Protein Laboratories in Wisconsin stated they believed their heparin was purposefully tainted in the Chinese supply chain. Okay. The Chinese government vehemently denied this. Sure. Of course. What are they going to do? And honestly... <laughs> vehemently deny it. Vehemently deny it, That's, what, deny, that's yes. what they're going to do. Um, they're on- like, we're hosting an Olympics later <laughs> this year. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, wait. So honestly, there's at this point no real way to know whether it was done deliberately. It is sounding like it as a cost-cutting measure, and not as a trying-to-kill-people Sure. Measure, but. I, you know what? And that's most likely what it was. Yeah. But... but with all this kind of stuff, and you have international powers at play. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? So it's kind if of you get a, a couple paranoid people together. Be like, it's the Chinese. I know it. Right. I can prove right. It. The Chinese through the Russians through the Saudis, mm-hmm. and then through whoever through yeah. Doug. Doug over there in the corner. <laughs> Doug on the corner. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. Didn't you? <laughs> Wasn't there another episode? Because we're talking about China, and you're talking about Doug in China. Didn't you do that in another episode where you were like... I called, oh, no, I called Tony. Italy. To- oh, no, no, Tony, Tony in China. The, the, no, the Taiwanese oh, kid. the Taiwan, Tony the, the Taiwanese. The, the Formosa Fun Park. <laughs> That's right. So now we have Tony in Taiwan and Doug in China. Doug in China. <laughs> but I think Doug That's sound, pretty great. I think Doug sounds more Chinese than Tony sounds Taiwanese. <laughs> okay. I'll go with that. <laughs> There's probably a Doug in China. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so needless to say, lawsuits were filed in the wake of this heparin contamination and 81 deaths. But what I was kind of surprised at is I, so so my source pages for this are like, it's, I have over like, I have like two pages of sources because everything I found was only in tiny bits and pieces here and there. And I honestly couldn't find much about the outcomes of these lawsuits, but I did. Well, I was going to say the, probably part of the reason for that was because they they never fully figured it out. Yeah, but but you'd fit. But a lot of people still sued Baxter. Sure. And SPL. But those so lo- but Baxter, I'm sure, has a freaking army of lawyers. Well, sure, so and maybe there's a lot are, of settling or yeah. Those things NDAs. might. Those things might be getting settled like around now, and we're talking mm-hmm. ten years later. Maybe yeah, it can take a while. Um, but I did find one case. Um, in June 2011, in Cook County, so Chicago, mm-hmm. Illinois. A circuit court jury awarded $625,000 to the estate of Stephen Johansson of Oak Forest, Illinois, 
from Baxter Healthcare. So his estate sued Baxter. Baxter ended up um, being forced to pay $625,000 because Johansson died of the tainted heparin in December 2007. The estate's attorneys alleged that Baxter itself referred to the tainted heparin as, quote, the cheap stuff and knew it was putting people at risk to cut costs. So oh. they were directly implicating Baxter. Baxter, who was pointing their finger at China, this this uh, case was saying, no, it was you guys, and you knew what you were doing. And a jury found it to be plausible. Interesting. So, so who knows? Um, Congress. The, the plot thickens. Yeah. Congress also held hearings. Um, on this crisis with FDA officials testifying, though, again, I really couldn't find out any information about, like, what was resulting from but these that is, hearings. That definitely should be treated as a crisis because 81 people are dead because of this. Yeah, and, and it could happen still, again And you really still easy. don't have the... The you still exact, don't have the exact answer right. to how this happened. Right. So. And a lot of finger pointing. Sure. Like, oh, oh it, was, it was the higher ups. Oh, no, it was farther down it's the gonna chain. Be. Yeah. It's one army of lawyers against another. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, this is, wow, and this was only 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh huh. I, I heard of none of this. Yeah, I me mean, neither. I don't remember this at all. So one thing this heparin contamination crisis did point out was the need for the medical community to dig further into the molecular properties of heparin. Because remember, they didn't, re- they still, as far as I can tell, still don't really know the mole- like the full chemical structure of heparin. Um, and not just to focus on the fact, oh, it's an anticoagulant, because in attempting to make synthetic versions of heparin, because they haven't just like been able to synthetically copy the structure of heparin on a molecular level, they've come up with other substances, but that have terrible side effects. Sure. So they need to like figure out what exactly is heparin on a molecular level, on a chemical level, and then maybe we can synthesize it. So, um, yeah. So there's that, and there are scientists researching and attempting to make a synthetic, safe version of heparin. For the nice reasons, and not just because it's cheaper. Interesting. And that was the 2008 heparin contamination crisis. That pretty much everybody listening to this, they were alive in 2008. I hope so. We don't don't have... If you were not born in 2008 or earlier, what the (laughs) fuck is your mother letting you do? You should I, not be I, listening to this shit. Yeah, I would have been one of those kids. Yeah. You would have listened to a podcast called All Bad Things when you were 10? Yeah, at this age. If I was 10 now, yeah, I probably would. Mm. I, I watched Headbangers Ball when I was 10. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, my favorite director was Alfred Hitchcock by age 11, so I guess I go. can't say much. Yeah. I'd watched a lot of horror movies by the age of like 10 and 11. <laughs> I grew up with HBO. <laughs> it's a small wonder we're doing this podcast today. Yeah, I, wonder, I wonder what the. Uh, I wonder what the cause and effect were. Right. Of Headbangers Ball and horror movies. Yeah. Doing a podcast that's called All Bad Things. <laughs> but anyway. Well, but and we that's... clearly had our third co-host, uh, Demetrius, here mm-hmm. today. He's been rather annoying. Oh, because it's his dinner time. Yeah, I was going to say he has been fed. Yeah. But, um, but no, but there were so many things going on in 2008. It's easy to see how this would the just... The headline got buried on this one, yeah. It might, it might not have even ever been a headline. Mm-hmm. 
I, mean, I found really. a fair. I found a fair amount of like news articles and stuff. No, but like the headline, like, oh, the story of the yeah. day. Like I kind of doubt it. It was probably on like the second or third page. Well, but it would have been leading up to the Democratic primary mm-hmm. of two thousand eight, which was a huge which was a thing, huge primary. And um, yep, the financial had the financial crisis hit at that point. Was it oh seven or oh eight? It had. Yes, it had it hit in spring 08. Uh, okay. The election was in the fall. Okay, obviously. so it was like just hitting. Yes. Um, so 81 people dying maybe wasn't the biggest thing on because, everyone's mind, I guess. Uh, it still sounds bad. Like actual countries went bankrupt. Yeah. And the United States was on the verge of electing its first African-American That's president. True. There were crazy things going on in 2008. Yeah. Yeah, but it from what I could tell, it was a big deal in the healthcare industry for obvious sure. reasons. You know, when the healthcare industry would feel the effects of the Obama presidency. That's true. Very true. Very much so. If we have any healthcare workers listening, um, feel free to uh, correct me on anything that I got wrong <laughs> in in my research because I probably did because my MD I earned from uh, Seattle Grace Hospital <laughs> and uh, Cook County Memorial or Cook County General Hospital, i.e. Fiction. Is that where ER is? It's. It's oh, it's Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't know Cook that. Cook County General Hospital, I think, is the name of them. The only reason I know Cook County at all is mm-hmm. from The Fugitive, the movie. Oh, uh-huh. That's where yeah. he was trying to find the one-armed man was at Cook County Hospital. Oh, he made, uh-huh. made the fake, like, uh... Oh, that's right. The badge. Mm-hmm. The security badge. Uh-huh. Every hen house, outhouse, townhouse, town in this vicinity. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's all I got. Yes. I am, uh, I have worked 11 of the last 12 days. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And I have prepared many tax returns. Um, PSA, by the way, like, even if you don't owe taxes, file your fucking taxes more than a week before the deadline, please. Like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> That is a special PSA. From From your enrolled agent. your enrolled agent. Rachel. The more you know. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Oh, so we're obviously punchy and just need to say goodbye for this week. Yes, we do. We'll do better next week. (laughs) We'll try to anyway. (laughs) This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel, EA. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) 